Uh, we got a little special thing going on here today. Ty brought a pastor friend of his from Sri Lanka, and I'm going to let him introduce him, and he's going to tell you a little bit about what he's doing in Sri Lanka. We're going to start off with that, and then we're going to go from there. Here. Come on up here, man. I love uh, to hear what's going on in other parts of the world and, and find out what the Lord's doing in these other countries. And, and everyone that's familiar with, with what happened last year and the tsunami, and all, it's, it's awesome to hear the things that you know have taken place over there. And man, oh, I, I can't I can't pronounce your last name, so you're gonna have to pronounce it for them. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your part of the world. Okay. Uh, thank you, Brother Devan, for that. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, good to see you all. Uh, my name is Mano Haran Periasam. It's a long name. <laughs> you can call me Mano. That's your short name. <laughs> well, I'm a pastor missionary from Sri Lanka. Study Christ for the Nation, Dallas. Three years. Last year, graduated. Some are here from Christ for the Nation. Uh, so... I'm leaving to leaving December into Sri Lanka to do the work. Uh, mention about the tsunami. 2004 tsunami hit over 40,000 people killed in Sri Lanka. One of my friend, personal friend, uh, lost 91 church members and 17 family members. Uh, also, we have a 20 years civil war going on. Before I just come here, I check the internet. The civil war is uh, going to be. A little bit danger. <laughs> anyway, uh, but God is in control, you know. Everywhere I was. But, uh, uh, yeah, so we, uh, I mentioned last, uh, one of my pastor friend last 91 church members. We dedicated a church uh, last August for him. So, uh, the uh, people are open, uh, people are open for the gospel and we have persecution also. Uh, I'm personally coming from a Hindu background, Hindu priest background, get saved uh, when I was 21. And uh, <coughs> then after our whole family got saved, I become a minister. Now I'm everywhere. So, so we want to reach people. We want to reach unreached people. That's our heartbeat. Reach, raise, respond. That's our mission and vision, everything. So we are focusing on unreached people groups. We want to reach uh, through the evangelism and training people and respond for the lost world, send them out. Also, we want to build up water wells, and uh, especially for the tsunami places. So we want to do the different thing. I don't want to say all a lot. <laughs> I don't want to take whole time. So anyway, it was good to see you. Never give up. I encourage you. Never ever give up. Amen. Because God have a great plan and purpose in your life. Okay. And we always trying to bring things, so many challenges. Maybe physical materials and different things, you know. But never give up. Okay. He is loving you so much. Amen. I guess thank you very much again. And Pastor and Brother David, I appreciate you all. Thank you. Wait just a minute before you sit down now. We have no comprehension, anyone that, unless you've traveled in other parts of the world and realize the dangers of just mentioning the Lord's name, you have no comprehension of what's going on over there. And having been over in some of these countries, I do. And so just, just take a moment and just tell them some of the things that's okay. going on because they, okay. they don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, l let me mention... Uh, 
I I be, I been over 30 years in Sri Lanka but I never been travel north east parts of Sri Lanka is the one of the danger place in Sri Lanka over civil war going on when the tsunami hit that's the reason I went to those places so the my pastor friend who live there uh, and uh, so I went places and speak in a refugee camp over 700 people uh over 30 40 people got saved we give the bible and behind me there is uh, army force and police force they they every time also uh, you know uh, some are, some are checking what they are talking and everything because uh, uh, we need to be very careful with those because terrorists and the government army fighting they everything they discover what we talking what we doing so i i talk about the peace uh, and i don't know who is any terrorist in the refugee camp i don't know i didn't figure out that uh, but i speak about god and i told if you need a peace you must get a first you need to have if you if you need a peace in your village or something you need to first you need to have a peace in your heart the peace coming from only jesus you know that's the way i got the peace So if you have a peace in your family then you have uh, if you have peace in you in your heart then you have peace in your family then you have peace in your family then we have peace in our village then if we have peace in our village then we have peace in our country and go and go and that that so after that over 30 young people they got saved 30 40 people we give the bible it's an interesting thing because i never been those places and last august two american friends and my, they are my classmates i am they we went to sri lanka one of the danger places terror terrorist territory so very poor people live over some pastor friends they meet doing ministry over there so see i'm asking these guys hey do you want to go there <laughs> because they never been those places so i ask him mano let's go so they encouraged me so we went one of the very danger places i never been those places so now we went to poor villages and pray for them give a hug some are lost their family some are lost husband wife children the uh, because of the tsunami and because of the terrorism and different things so <clears throat> anyway so we give a hug and we be love them we pray for them we help some pastors now the terrorist truck came to face to face like six guys so i told me don't take pictures you know <laughs> it's going to be trouble so we didn't take any pictures we travel but god hand is upon our life that's amazing you know you can go if you god with you you don't want fear for anything you know yeah. eh? if god with us who can against us right so that that's the that's the key that's the secret you know so <clears throat> now i'm traveling different i've been in mexico and i'm traveling trying to do, uh, travel different places uh, the other parts of the uh, tra- world and especially in our own country and different parts uh, parts of our country well <clears throat> it's scared you know but if you have uh, jesus christ the spirit of god in with you you didn't feel that that's the difference between the secular world and with <laughs> spirit of god you know so you don't want to worry about the maybe sickness maybe any trouble any financial but just keep going keep going when i got saved my dad kicked me out you know they said get out 
So I'm a young man, I say I didn't do nothing, you know. I obey you, uh, so everything. So he told me, we don't want any white man's God. Don't take a misunderstand. That's the way people third world country believe, you know. They think that's the way they believe. I told me Jesus is not white man God. Jesus is creator of this universe. He created me. He created in my mom's womb, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> we need to worship the creator of the universe, you know. The, because the whole school, the Buddhist school teaching about the evolution. The man coming from monkey. You guys know the science about the Charles Darwin and about the evolution. So, the man not coming from monkey. I asked my dad one day, hey, if I coming from human, then where is my, if I coming from monkey, then where is my tail, you know? I asked question. So anyway, we have argument. We, so anyway, I just obey to my parents as a very important thing. Uh, but they, my dad is going to church. Our whole family got saved. They're serving people. That's an amazing thing, you know. And, uh, but he touched my life. I faced lots of challenges, but it's good. Learning, <laughs> uh, that's the way we can keep going, you know. Challenges is good. And you can learn patience. <laughs> but never give up. Well, well, <clears throat> you can go to any places, you know. But, but never, never give up the relationship with God. That's very, very important. We are, uh, I can say a little bit things. We are living in the last days, in the beginning. You can say everywhere, whoa, things happening. Who is going to be answer for the world? Who is going to be uh, uh, is sharing something, is sharing the good news for the world? Who's, who can do that? Only you and me, we can do that. Not, not, you can, you can, you, we cannot hope from the Buddhists, we can, we, we cannot hope for the Hindu or any religion, other parts of the world. Only we had a hope from Jesus, you know. He's in you right now, so, you, he can do things never before in your life. Dream something be, never before, you know. I never dreamed to come to the United States, but it's a God's plan. I never become a preacher. I didn't dream those things. But it's all God's plan, you know. But he planned for a purpose, you know. So he can do anything. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Again, thank you very much. Any questions? <laughs> thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Master. Praise the Lord, yeah. Wow. Glory. Praise God for people that go all over the world, you know, that are from places like Sri Lanka and everywhere else in the world. I've had the privilege to travel a lot of places in the world. I've never been there, but I have really traveled a lot of places in the world. I've seen most of it. You know, I've been around the world a couple of times. And so I did have the the privilege to live in India for a while. I lived in Pakistan for a while. You know, I've I, I, I went, I went to India, and, uh, you know, so I've been in a lot of places, uh, Japan and, of course, the Vietnam and, and all those places over there. But uh, I, my heart breaks when I think about how fortunate we are over here in America. Amen. I mean, Amen. in America, the poorest people in America live like kings compared to what some people do. 
you know, I can I still remember when I was in Egypt building the building in '77. Uh, I think about those poor little women. I mean, there I was an engineer. I had I was making a good living, and those poor little women that would come up to the car with a little child in their arms and they're doing this. I know what that means. They're hungry. They need something to eat. And, you know, I would reach in my pocket and I would get out the equivalent to about a dollar to a dollar and a half in their money. Now, you've got to realize that the average person when I was there in 77 worked all day long for 25 cents. If you were an engineer and you were really trained and had been to the University of Cairo and graduated, you could make 50 cents a day. 50 cents a day. So I'd take a dollar, a dollar and a half, and I'd just hand it in their money. I had it converted. I'd hand them a week's work. It would be like today if you drove down the street out there and a little woman out there had a need and you were to reach in and get $500 or $700 and hand it to them because a lot of people make $500 a week today. It's not a, not a four or $500. There's not a lot of people out there that make less than four or $500 a week. But just to hand that to somebody for doing nothing, somebody would be just like that engineer. He says, what are you doing giving her so much money? I said, because it don't mean anything to me. I said, that'll feed her and that baby for a long, long time. I said, I don't know where they're coming from, but all I know is what my king said. He said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. So I said, the king, he keeps good records. I've forgotten how many dollars I gave, but he still remembers every one of them. You know, so it kind of brings it into perspective. And just like he said that when you get saved in those countries in the world, they throw you out. They throw you out. We don't know how blessed we are to have the privilege to get up and go to work and to come to church on Sunday or during the week and to open our Bible and read it and Amen. do all the things we can do. We don't know. We're just, we're so blessed. Yes, we are. Blessed beyond our wildest dreams. You know, it just, wow. But yet there's some things we've got to learn. Some things we've got to do. And as a church, I'm going to tell you that God holds the people in America, especially those that are in the church, He holds us a lot more accountable than He does the rest of the world. Because we have the Word. We have Bibles laying in every room. Sometimes stacks of them. And we probably have the best-selling book in the world, and probably in America it is the least read of almost any book. And you know what made the difference in me from being a normal Southern Baptist and and where I walk today? I read the book, That's right. <laughs> and I believed it, Praise God. and what a change it made in my life, and yours too. Amen. 
But today, I want us to talk about a few things that's very, very critical. And I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 34. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, as people are turning to Matthew 12, I ask you to be in total control today. As always, Lord, I want to die. I want you to live. I just want to be tuned into you, and I want everything I do to bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, I ask you to help me to walk where you have taught me from this book today. Help me this week to walk there. Help all of us to walk there, because you hold every one of us accountable. And I praise you and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus started out with a really nice saying to the church. Oh, you generation of vipers. I don't want you to talk to me like that, do you, Benjamin? Oh, you generation of vipers. I got a feeling he didn't just say that kindly. Are you, Fred? I'm sure he didn't just say, oh, you generation of vipers. (laughs) No, I don't. James, you don't think that's the way he said that either? I think it was a little hot, don't you? I really think the king was a little upset with his boys. Oh, you generation of vipers. How long? How long? Ye, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? He's talking about speaking. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, The king is saying to you and I that every idle word, not just every word, but every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. You know, I was a normal Christian a lot of years I had a very blessed life, and I was very careful. I remember when I was a young man, working in a Chevrolet house, some of the guys used some profanity. So, you know, I had a tendency to get over in that world just a little bit. I let a few words that, you know, whenever you use a word, you know, like heck or something, you know, Somebody says, that's not a bad word. That's a slang word. Somebody said, well, if I were to use God's name in vain, I could understand that. You stop and listen to the slang words that the average human being uses today. Listen to their communications. And it was just words, right? It's not any problem. It's just words. No, it's not. What did Jesus say he will judge you for? Every idle word that you speak. Now, you know, those of us that live in America, that have the Word of God, that are Christians, do you know he's really going to hold us accountable for these words? Because we know 
we've been given the book. I mean, that's just like I remember one time that word I just used, that slang word, heck. Whenever the Lord spoke to me in 77 of June, first time, and told me I was to be a living example to my children of Him. Man, I realized I had some straightening up to do. I mean, I was, I was walking as obedient as everything as I could. You know, I was being a good daddy. I mean, a good husband. I mean, I was working hard. I was diligently doing a good job for the people I work for. I went to church every Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday night and maintained the buses and everything else. But I didn't realize how important these words were until one day I come in and my little daughter Amanda was back in her bedroom and she was just a little girl, probably three or four or something, back there playing. And I didn't realize how tuned in their ears are to what you say. But I walked into the kitchen at the other end of the house. Had a big den between. Here's the kitchen, here's a big den, and there's a hallway, and there's Amanda's bedroom. And I'm standing there talking to Betty about something that happened that day. And she was telling me something, and she was fixing something to eat or something. And when she said that, or whatever she did, I said, well, you know, I wonder what the heck that guy was thinking about. I mean, most of you probably wouldn't think that's a bad word. You wouldn't think, now, if I'd have really said something foul, you'd have probably said, ooh. But I just said, wonder what the heck he was thinking about. And all of a sudden, Amanda came running out of her bedroom and said, Daddy, I heard you say a bad word. I said, I said a bad word? Yes. I said, what did I say? Oh, I wouldn't ever repeat that. I said, well, honey, i got to know what I said. So, I, 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 if it's a bad word, I, I won't say it again. And I said, tell me what I said. No, no. He said, you'd spank me if I said that. I said, well, okay, if I said it, if it's a, if it's a bad word, I need to know what I said. I, I said, if you'll tell me what I said, I, I, then I'll never use it again. She said, Daddy, you sure you won't spank me? I said, I promise. Okay. She said... You were talking to Mama about this man. And you said you wonder what the heck he was thinking about. And she said, Daddy, that's a bad word. I said, you're right. That's a bad word. That's a slang word. And out of the mouth of my little tiny three or four year old daughter, God judged me with that word. So I didn't use those slang words no more. No more. I've tried to watch what I say every day of my life since then. I still make mistakes. I still make mistakes. But I'm trying more and more diligent because I realize until I meet the criteria of this book, I'm never going to walk beyond a certain anointing with God. This book says that a disciple that's perfectly trained, like his master, shall do the same things that his master did. I want to walk there. Don't you? I want to be able to call that verse in John 14, 12, where Jesus said, Again, I tell you the truth. To anyone that believes in me, not only shall you do what I have been doing, 
But greater things than these that I've done shall you do in my name. Well, I'm going to tell you, to make that come to pass, you're going to have to learn how to talk. Because listen, he said there that out of an individual, whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. Do you know that's why I stopped watching television 20 plus years ago? You know, you can't watch t- television and without feeding black stuff in your heart, can you? I mean, you can try to watch the best television there is, and they'll come on with a commercial between something, and there'll be something so wicked or whatever. I mean, I can remember one time somebody told me, it's, I don't even know how many years ago it's been, but many, at probably at least 30, somebody come by one and said, there's going to be a beautiful movie in town this evening. You've got to go sit with me. I said, no, 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 no. I said, the movies are, are getting to where there's too much profanity in them. And I said, I can't go with you. But this is going to be a good one. And it's going to be good. It's rated PG. So well, I don't know what that means. But I said, he said, you know, it means it'll be good. I said, okay. He finally enticed me and talked me into it. I went into the movie. We sat down. And within five or ten minutes, the movie, there was a word of profanity spoken. I said, did you hear that? He said, hear what? I said, that word of profanity. Oh, I said, no, I never noticed it. But I did. And then a few minutes later, they did it again. I said, did you hear that? That's another one. He said, Thurman, you're too, you're judging. I said, wait a minute. And about to have him say it again. I said, that's it. That's it. I said, I'm out of here. I'm gone. You can watch the movie until I'm gone. But he got up and left with me. He said, you know, I never heard none of those words until you said something about it. I said, that's what's in your heart. I said, that trash is in your heart, and you're so used to hearing them, you don't even recognize what they're doing to you. But I said, my heart's clean, and it don't have that junk in there. I mean, you can take a beautiful white gown or white shirt and put it on, and if you walk in and you, if I go out to the shop and touch something, I got a mark of grease. I mean, everybody sees that one mark. But if I go out there in an old white shirt, and when I come in, i got grease all over me because I've been working. Nobody says anything about the dirt on my shirt, unless it's really filthy dirty. And then usually they won't say anything. They might say, wow, you're sure dirty today. <laughs> but you go out in a perfectly clean one and get one mark. Walk somebody say, oh, you got a piece of dirt right there on your shirt. Uh-huh. Why? Because you were clean. And they see that one black mark. But if you've got dirt all over you, it's no big deal. But God says, he's not only going to judge us for words, like heck. I mean, does that sound really bad? That doesn't sound too bad. You know, we use all kinds of little words. That, and it's a way of life, of talking. But do you know if you'll listen to yourself, you'll be amazed that, the words that do come out of your mouth. Now, you've got to remember, when these words come out of your mouth, where are they coming from? From the heart. Jesus says, what's in a man's heart comes out of his mouth. Now, let's go on here. Now, this is absolutely a, a tremendous problem that we have in here. And your words will tell you where you are spiritually. So, let's see what God, let's see where God places these words. And see how he places these things among other sins. Let's go now to Ephesians 5. 
go from Matthew 12 to Ephesians 5, and let's start with verse 1. Ephesians 5, 1. And he starts out in Ephesians 5, 1 with this statement. Now, before he was talking to the church, he was talking to the men of the church, and he was calling them a generation of vipers. You know, I kind of think that's what he said. I think he looked at it and said, you generation of snakes! Does that sound more like what you think he's saying, James? That's the way I think. It might have been even more so than that. I don't know. But I think he had really lost his cool with his boys because he can lose his cool. But now look what he's saying to us. Paul's saying in Ephesians 5.1, Be ye therefore followers of God, not of the world, but be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This is where we're supposed to walk. This is the beginning of Ephesians 5. But, in the next verse, verse 3, But, fornication and all uncleanliness or covetous, let it not be Huh? Not even one time, the King James says. Let it not be once named among you, the church. So how much sex out of wedlock? How much uncleanliness or how much covetousness are we supposed to have within the church? Do we meet the criteria very well? Huh? Not too well, do we? Not too well. You know, have you ever heard anybody make this statement? Now, I'm going to kind of cut some of these words short because I think about where I've seen people live in the past, and I've even been guilty of this many, many, many years ago when I was a young, dumb kid. You see some guy drive by in a real nice, beautiful sports car, you know, when you're 18, a red one, a convertible, and you would make a statement, I wished I had that and I wished he had a feather. <laughs> you ever said those kind of things? Do you think God's going to hold you accountable for that? Was I coveting that car? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, big time. It's easy when you're 18 years old to covet a beautiful red convertible, right? Hey, it's not too hard to covet that when you get old. You have to be careful. I mean, covetousness... Is sin. I mean, you know, when we start coveting, th- when things begin to possess us, we're coveting them. You know, when they possess you, you're coveting, and it's sin. And that's that you're going to be judged for that from God, he says here. But he's, we, we understand these things. What I'm trying to say is in Ephesians 5, 3, fornication, we know that sex out of wedlock is sin. We know uncleanliness. All kinds of unclean sex sins. That's just like the perverts and the things that that goes on, the homosexuals and the things they do, and the uncleanliness in the way they do those things. We've all heard about those things, how they do that. But guess what it brings upon them? AIDS. And not only AIDS, but it brings many other kinds of of, of sickness and disease upon them. 
And did you know that one of the worst ways in the world to die is to die with AIDS? I mean, it's awful. It is absolutely awful what the demons of hell do to a human being that die with AIDS. You know, let me tell you, the gay life that they talk about, it's not gay. They have named it every way but right. It is not gay. It is very, very sickening, and it will lead to death. Then it says, he says, as he says there, that we're not one time, not one time to let these things that we just read, fornication, uncleanness, and covetous, not one time are these things be named among us. But then, and we can see that on these, but this next one in Ephesians 5, 4 is where we kind of seem to think, hey, wait a minute, God's going a little too far out. But the next one says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. So you see what those have to do with? Words. Words. Yeah. But in some of the other versions, it doesn't say that. Oh. They took it out. They took it out. They made it a little nicer. Oh, okay. A little nicer. Yeah, a little more in other words, it would, be, it would be a little bit easier to say, you know, we should not do these things very often. Or, you know, maybe only once a week or something like that. But... Oh, in the NIV says not even a hint of these things. Huh? So that's pretty good, isn't it? Not, not once, the King James says not once, the NIV says not even a hint. So what do you think God's trying to tell us as children? Are we supposed to have any of these kind of sins among the church? No. Absolutely not. So have we kind of missed it? And so since we see that we miss it, then, he, then when we can understand... I mean, you know, the thing about it is, I think, I think about fornication, uncleanness, and covetousness. I, I can pretty well handle that. I can remember back when I was a young man. I didn't go to those places. I really didn't go, most, especially fornication and uncleanness, I didn't go to those places. Never did go to those places. Never have gone to those places my whole life. I've not lived there. But I'm grateful. But now... Since God put that little group there, and then he put this thing here about foolish talking. You reckon I did any of that as a teenager? Talk about jesting, you reckon I might have done some of that? Guilty! I mean guilty! I mean, I'll have to say, not once or twice did I do those stupid things. I've done them a lot. And God put those foolish talking and jesting right in there with fornication. So, the guy's over here doing the fornicating, and I'm over here doing the foolish talking and jesting. Which of us is is more condemned? We're both condemned. Isn't that awful? I mean, you know, who would ever thought, oh, I ain't ain't going out there and have sex with some girl out of wedlock. I know that sin. But let me tell you the best joke I've heard lately. I can tell you a good one back in those days. Some dirty ones. You know? And I was sitting just as big time as that guy out there sleeping around. That's right. Now, isn't that sad? Aren't we glad we got a God that can forgive all of it? If we didn't have, like Cheryl's favorite verse, you know, I mean, her quote that often, 
you know, as far as the east is from the west. <laughs> as he put my translations. Keith, are we glad for that? We're glad for that. Praise God. If it wasn't, we'd be condemned, wouldn't we, friend? But the Lord, thank goodness for Jesus. Because I look at this, but I think, Lord, I want to walk in your anointing. You know, I want to see you do some wonderful things. And he said, oh, okay. I've made a set of rules in my book that you must follow if you want to walk in my anointing. And it's going to be directly proportional to your willingness to do what I told you. In other words, absolutely, the first group of sins I have no problem with. But the second group, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. What does filthiness mean? You ever stop to think of what that really does mean? Filthiness? I mean, so what, what if you don't, uh, what if I don't vacuum out my car very often? Is it filthy? <laughs> Am I supposed to be clean there? I mean, I thought about that after studying it yesterday. I got in my pickup, and I had, it's been extremely dusty out. You know, you all noticed that lately? You know, there's no rain. And so I had to get one of my old rags and wipe all the dash off, wipe the dash off, clean. I thought, you know, Lord, that's pretty filthy. <laughs> and you say, I'm not supposed to be in filthiness. Maybe that means I'm supposed to be clean all over, squeaky clean. I said, Lord, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> But he does want us to, everything we do, he wants us to do it to glorify him. You know what? You know, we, we should dress fairly nice. I mean, if you go out. Now, you know, if you come out uh, and I'm out there working on a truck or something, I'm not going to have a suit on underneath that truck. You know, I'll, I'm going to get dirty. I do get dirty. And every once in a while I come through the miniature center when nobody, I mean, especially if when it's 100 degrees outside and I'm soaking wet with sweat and I'm pouring the water out of my boots because I've been sweating so much and everything else. Nobody wants to get close to me because I smell pretty good. Even my own honey bunny, once in a while she'll come running up to me. She'll get about this close to me and she ah, I was going to give you a kiss, but you need to go take a shower. <laughs> Well, she'll use it, go ahead and give me a hug anyway. You know, because she loves me. But that's the way God is. He loves us. But He wants us. He says we're not to be filthy, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. Or jesting. What does jesting mean? You know? Oh, you, you got a, a guy that works for you, you know, or works with you, a friend. I mean, I know some of us, you said that, you know, you'll see a friend come in, and you're sitting there talking, and you'll say, well, there's old Ty down there. If you really want something messed up good, just give it to him. He can mess it up good. That's jesting. You know, that's jesting. You know, and, or, you know, you take uh, your sister walks in, and she's 30 pounds overweight. And your, her brother looks and says, oh, and there's Slim, too. There's Slim, you know. There's old Slim. That's jesting. You know, those are the kind of things that we do. And how often did the Lord tell us this stuff not to be found among us? Well, why, why don't we listen to the king? Well, you know what? If we don't do what he says, guess what? He's not going to do what he said. He's not going to answer your prayer. I mean, it's going to be in directly proportion. He may allow you to walk somewhere up this ladder... Of anointing. But he ain't going to let you walk up where Jesus walked if you don't walk where Jesus walked. That's 
So if you want to walk where Jesus walked, you're going to have to do everything Jesus' way. Are we going to have to learn how to talk? Are we going to have to watch this thing? To watch this thing, then you've got to watch what you put in this thing. And you put things in through your eyes and your ears. So if you listen to the wrong things, you know, you'll be amazed what will come into you. You know, all you got to do, you can just watch a little television and you can get a whole new perspective on the world. I mean, it's amazing what people do today. And it's on television. I mean, just every kind of sin in the world going on on television. Every once in a while, I'll just turn one on, or I'll go into a place of business where there are one or two or three or four or five of them on, and they're always on worldly stations. Always. You don't never see one in a place of business that's on a Christian station preaching the Word of God. I've never been in one. Have you? I have never. The only place I've ever been where I could went into a place of business where there was Christian television on, was GLC, Daystar, or Trinity, then this Christian television on. That, that's there. But otherwise, it's not there. The world does not have it. So the wrong words are being said. And, I mean, you can, if, you can hear anything on the television, any kind of word. You name it, it's there. And some of those things they're saying is jesting and foolish talking. Now, the world, that's okay. You know, that's what they're going to do. Well, what's the God of this world? He wants them to do that, but the God of heaven, what does he want us to do? Well, he told us in his word. How much foolish talking can we do? None. How much jesting can we do? None. How much coveting can we do? None. Oh, yeah, you can. You can do all of them. But if you do them, it's sin. And it'll hinder your prayer. Wow. Then he says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I have to think about that real often. To give thanks. And, you know, I told Cheryl the other day I turned over a new leaf. Well, I've already had a few spots on my leaf. I know none of you all have the same problem I have. None of you. But it's difficult, Eldon. It's difficult. You know too, huh? Okay, so you're a man too. Huh? You have trouble just like me. <laughs> but we can do it. We're going to do it, right? Amen. You're doing the new leaf too. Okay, praise God. I think that's a good way to go. The new leaf, and we're, we're working on it. Says, for this we know that no whoremonger. Now, what is he calling all these people to do all this stuff up there? Whoremongers. No whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an adulterer hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Boy, that'll, that'll isolate it down, won't it? How many of you want to be a partaker of the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of God besides me? Hey, I, that's what I live for, is to see the king. You know, I want, I want to live and reign and rule with him here on this earth. 
And when I die, I mean, when my life is over, like we sing in some of these songs, when our work on earth is done, I want him to say, well done, faithful servant. That's, I can't think of anything better than that. I certainly don't want him to say, I don't know who you are. I'm trying to think of the, the name of that drama. Uh, no, hell's, uh, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, yeah. How many have ever seen that drama, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames? Boy, you know, every time you'd see somebody there at that in-between place that had died, and they'd see the heaven, and they'd see this flames of hell over here, and they, Lord, that angel, that must be the book of life. I've heard about that. Lord, is my name written in the book of life? And the angel would open the book, you know, and start. The first time that happened was an old lady on the scale, and she was sitting there. She'd been crippled, and she died, and she was standing before this angel, and she opened the book, and she read, and she did like this. She says, when she did, she come up, and immediately at the top of the stage, it opened, and out stepped Jesus. And I'm telling you, I burst into tears. I mean, it's just like I was seeing this for real. And this old, little old woman, run up them stairs. She wasn't crippled no more, and she run into the arms of her king, and he went inside with her, and I thought, wow. But one of the other ones died. And was up there and says, oh, this must be the angel with the book of life. Angel, my name must be in that book. And they throw him through the pages and looks down and looks down and says, he said, it's got to be in there. And says, no. And they pointed this way. And when they did, the person looked and there come the devil and his two demons. And they was coming screaming to grab him. And he went kicking and screaming as the devils stood up there. And he threw that big old bony long finger out there and he said, I got him and I'm going to get every one of you that don't make Jesus Lord. I mean, it's an awful thing, but it'll get your attention. In fact, the night I saw it in a Baptist church, I think there was a hundred people in that Baptist church come to know Jesus after that thing that night. I mean, there was people old and young. There was children. When that pastor gives the invitation, that thing is two hours long. And when that pastor gave that invitation at the end of that, I mean, there was people running to the front. Little kids, old men, everything, running down there falling to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I said, man, we ought to do this thing in every church in the world. You know, it makes it real to you. You get to see. But hey, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But the Lord has told us here. Then he says, verse 6, he says, let no man deceive you. With vain words. Because of these things, all these things I've talked about, cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Now then, if you're a child of God and you're living in any of those things, fornication, uncleanliness, foolish talking, jesting, all those things that he talked about, what's going to come upon you? The wrath of God. Do you want the wrath of God to come up on you? Oh, I don't either. So how are we going to prevent that from happening? Okay. <laughs> Terry, you've learned your lesson extremely well. You know that? Learning. You're learning. In other words, you know what the wrath of God is, don't you, girl? Oh, yes, sir. You've been there and experienced it on that side. 
Just a little bit. Oh, yeah, but that, that's a far more than you wanted, though, wasn't it? If you, got, if you just had that much, you wouldn't want this much, would you? Absolutely not. Not after what you suffered. You know, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want nothing. I wouldn't, even want, I wouldn't want to walk where you walked. I, I don't want to go there. You didn't want to go there either. And if you'd have known better, you would never go there. It's just like Cheryl and I was talking last night and even on the way to church today. If people knew these things and believed these things, they would change the way they do business. That's right. But somebody's got to preach it. And, of course, I looked over at her and I said, Honey, isn't it amazing that we have, I mean, I think about the schools that some of you have been to, some of the schools I've been to. I said, when I went to school and they taught me engineering, I said, I took the books and the things they taught me and went out there and it worked. I mean, it worked on airplanes. It worked on buildings. It worked everywhere. The principles worked. I said, so then I just kept expanding on them, learning more and more. But I said, here we got a group of seminaries, and it's like they don't teach the basics. I don't know what they teach you, but they don't teach you these basic things. I said, I don't know why that we don't get this. Because I said, I didn't know these things. And she said, well, I'll tell you why. She said, you know, it, what you teach, the average person, they don't want to hear what you teach. She said, but whenever they hear what you teach, if their life is all messed up and they repent, then their life will change. <laughs> and you could really say praise the Lord, right, Terry? Your life has so changed. I'm on, I'm to, Terry's up here clapping and everything else. The day I told her what her problem was, she didn't believe it either. She, the fact, she almost told me I was crazy. You know, she said, I don't believe that. I told her, I said, woman, your problem is you. You know, and that's why your marriage is messed up and your sin and your unforgiveness and everything else until you change. I don't believe that. You're crazy. I said, no, I'm not. I said, you go home and read your word and you get God to talk to you. And when he talks to you, you'll find out he's going to tell you the same thing I told you. And he did. And when she, I mean, isn't it amazing how a man can tell a woman something and she don't believe him. But when God says, Terry, <laughs> she says, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. She listened to God. Well, that's why he sent his preachers <laughs> to tell you. You're supposed to listen to them too, right? And so when she listened, it changed her life forever. Hers and her husband's and all their children. But it is something that, the, in fact, I remember the lady out there on GLC called that night after I was on GLC one night years ago. And I think it was the first time I was on her second time. I was out there by myself. And she says, sir, I'm 60, what, three or whatever it was. And she said, I have been in a church, a Baptist church, and I have went every time the door was open all of my life. And I have never one time heard anybody say that sickness is associated with sin. But said, tonight you proved to us all over the Bible that's why we're sick. It's because we're sinning. She said, I, don't, I never saw those things. But she said, I had never heard that statement until tonight. And I thought, what a shame, what a shame that whenever we sin, we open the door to a devil and they come in. I mean, you know, God can get your attention. I mean, I think about what Eldon told me the other day about a doctor that when he went into a rage, he got a tremendous pain in his back. A couple of times it happened to him. 
did God tell us to get rid of all anger? Yeah, he did. That's in there too. So what if we don't do it? Can he get your attention? Yes, he certainly can. He certainly can. Then he says here, Be not, verse 7, therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, and now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. How much fellowship? None. None. With the fruits of darkness. So you think it would be okay to stop by a place of business that uh, maybe you're going to go in and have a Maybe you're going to go in and have a bite to eat. But there's a belly dancer on the stage up there doing a little belly dancing. Or they got a topless servers in the place. You know, there's places like that right here in the Dallas area by the hundreds? Yeah. I remember one time a guy said, let's go down here to my favorite place for dinner. Okay. You know, so we walked in and started to walk up there and I looked up and it says right on the front it says had pictures inside the place topless servers these girls ain't got nothing on from the waist up I said what the girls in here don't wear nothing on top he said no that's why I love to come here I said forget this I ain't going to dinner with you here I'm a man I'm a human being I'm moved by what I see there's not a man in the world who's not moved by what he sees you don't walk into a place like that with women with nothing on from the waist up without messing up your mind. You, know, you can't do that. But why do you think the devil puts those kind of people in those places? Because he knows what moves a man. He knows what makes them do what they do. And he knows, he can, knows what he can do once you start meditating on those things. So you've got to stay out of those kind of places. How much dealings are we to have with darkness? None. I mean, go to a clean place. You know, I like to go to a good, clean place. If there was any of them left. There's not many. There's not many. Then he says, in verse 12, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. It's amazing what they what they do. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he says, Awake those of you that sleep, awake and arise from the dead. You know, the Lord says that Christian women that are out being a busybody, that are not married, that are not being about God's business, but they're out tattling and tailing and doing all those things and living in the world, He said they're dead even while they live. You know that? So you know what He tells them to do? Find your husband and get married. 
That's what God says. Yeah. Especially the young women. Some of them say, well, you know, but I'm 50. I'm a widow. You know, and I'm old. No, if you're 50, you're not, you're not considered a widow yet, according to the church. You've got to be at least 60. At least 60 to be a widow. And then he says, the church is not supposed to take care of you. Your family is supposed to take care of you. You know, that's what he says. Then he says, if you're a widow, indeed, you have no family, and you're over 60, but you've been a good woman. You raised good children, and you've washed the feet of the saints, and you've been a church member, a holy church member. Kept yourself clean and pure. He said, then you're subject for, to, for support from the church. I don't know any women that meet that criteria today. I don't know any men that meet that criteria today. You know that? Boy, have we missed it. Have we missed it? You know? I mean, purity and holiness has almost gone away, isn't it? Well, you want to know why we don't get our prayers answered? Here's part of the answers right here. This is just one tiny little section. We're only in one tiny little book. And we just list in a ton of things that will keep us from getting our prayers answered. And many of us live right here. In fact, I've known some of the Christian men. I've, I've known some pastors that were friends of mine that could tell you a very good joke about religion. You know, that's foolish talking and jesting. And God says, we are not supposed to do that. I mean, it's kind of like the Aggie jokes. I mean, you know, Ty being an Aggie, he knows there's jillions of them. I'm sure he's heard every one there is. But we ain't supposed to do that, are we, Ty? That's right. We're not supposed to do that. <laughs> He'll agree with that, see. But, but they tell him. But we're not supposed to make jokes about other religions or anything in religion. But do we do that? Oh, yeah, let me tell you about them old Baptists down here. Let me tell you about them old Church of Christ over here. Let me tell you about that Methodist over here. Or there was... I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you a little story I had one time, and I consider this foolish shocking. There was three preachers, you know. Said there was a Baptist preacher, a Church of Christ preacher, and a Methodist preacher. And they all went fishing one day. And they're out there in the water, and all of a sudden that Baptist preacher said, I'm out of bait, I'm going to go back to the shore and get me some bait. And so he just gets up, steps out, and steps in the water, and walks on the water, and goes and gets him some bait. Comes back, gets back in the boat. I, I can't tell this without laughing, but it's funny. In a little while, the Methodist preacher, he said, I'm out of bait, I'm going to go get some. And so he walks on the water, gets some, comes back. In a little while, that, that, that Church of Christ guy, he said, you know, look, I don't have as much faith as these two guys do. I have a church. I'm teaching the Word of God. If them guys can walk on the water, I can walk on the water. So he gets up and said, I'm out of bait. I'm going back. Said so he steps off with bam, right all the way down, goes under. He comes up, calls back over in the boat. He said, if you guys did it, I can do it. And about to the third time he done this, he gets up. Finally, the Baptist preacher said to the Methodist preacher, reckon we'll tell him where those rocks are before he drowns. <laughs> and see, that's foolish talking. But, you know, I, I've heard as a Baptist deacon and as a pastor, I hear people telling those kind of stories. And the only reason I told you that story is to tell you that Jesus says that story is sin. If it comes out of our mouth when we're doing it, you know, telling a joke about a church of Christ or a Methodist or Baptist or whatever. He said that's foolish talking and that's just as bad in my church as if you're out committing adultery. 
And that, and that, what did he just say? So, and how many of those words he says he's going to judge us for? Every idle word that we speak, you should be judged. Well, I've decided that I'm going to have to put about three layers of duct tape around my mouth in the morning to start off with before I get up. <laughs> Some of y'all got the same problem I got, don't you? It's very difficult to watch every word you say about everybody everywhere you go. You know, I mean, I'll tell you where one of the things, way back yonder, before I learned these things, we could have a VP or something, and he might do something that I thought was pretty silly. You know, instead of go tell him, I'd tell the guys. You know, well, the VP, you know, he don't really know what he's doing. You know, and so I know none of y'all ever said anything bad about your management. You know, if you were a worker somewhere and you never never said anything bad about your manager or whatever. But, you know, every time we do that, do you know that's an idle word and God's going to hold us accountable for that idle word? It's serious stuff. So, I don't know about you, but I want to walk in a supernatural place with God. I want to walk in a place where when somebody calls the prayer room, Sharon, when somebody calls the prayer room and you pray for them, I want my life to be so clean since I'm head of this ministry that he'll, regardless of where you're walking, he'll heal them or set them free. But if you're walking in the same place I am, we're in good place. You know, if you're walking holy, and if I'm walking holy too, we're watching everything, there ain't nothing can keep that prayer back, is there? See, when we, when we prayed all the prayers we prayed for little Brietta, we needed to see them prayers answered, didn't we, Jim? Thanks. We needed to see them prayers answered. Here we got this little tiny girl that, I mean, every day almost they told us something else was going to happen with this little girl. I mean, boy, we prayed for that little girl. I mean, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, you know, if every one of us were walking where we should have walked, every one of us, I believe with all my heart, she would have been completely, completely healed way before now. That tells us where we are, isn't it? Tells us where we are. We have been able to get a great thing done, haven't we, James? But it's taken far longer. And I believe if every one of us could walk holy and watch every word we say, that that little girl would have been far further along than she is right now. But with us, if we could walk holy in total obedience to God's word, he makes you a promise in his word. If you'll do everything I tell you to do, you can come to me and ask me for anything, and I'll do it for you. And behold, I give you power over the enemy. But there's not many of us walk there. For none of us, I guess. None of us really walk there. But these are some of the requirements that we got to get a hold of, and we got to be so conscious of what we're doing every day, and every time we open our mouth, our mouth has got to have good words come out of it. We've got to tell no jokes. We've got to use no slang. We've got to watch our words. Now, somebody, somebody will say to me, well, Thurman, you've lost it. I don't believe God is that critical. Well, let me tell you. Let me ask you, how many have you raised from the dead? How many from you healed in the name of Jesus? How many prayers and miracles have you seen God do? You know, if you say, well, I've never seen him do anything, that's where I live most of my life. 
And then I realized what he said, and I started walking as close to what he requires as I possibly can. And as I did, he started answering my prayers. And I love it when he answers my prayers. I love it when people come to a healing school and get instantly healed. I love it. But I hate it when some of them don't get healed. You know. And I love it for sure, like the little nine-year-old boy in Chanute the other day that was a bedwetter. You know, hated it. I hated it. Hated it. I mean, just... I told him, son, you're a child of God. Yes. I said, you're redeemed from that curse. That's a demon of hell. I don't know how that curse got to you, but I said, we're going to break that curse. That's just a demon. I said, I have power over that demon. I'm kicking that beast out, and then I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you, and I'm going to guarantee you ain't never going to wet the bed again in the name of Jesus. I mean, the next day that little boy come back to church, he was fixed up. His whole family was with him. He had his Bible under his arm, and he said, I'm a brand new man today. You know, is that, that makes everything we do worthwhile. Although he's just a little nine-year-old boy. Can you imagine what it would be like if every, every night you went to bed and you went into bed? It wouldn't be too comfortable, would it? No. It's just a demon. And of course, the, his little sister, of course, the dad, mother, and sisters, and brothers, and everybody came back the next night. And then the sister, which was 15, she was a, seemed to be normal everywhere except this hand was about half the size of a normal 15-year-old girl. This hand was normal. But she came up and wanted me to pray for her hand to become normal size. She saw her little brother healed. So I told her, sure, God can do that just as easy as he did the other. We prayed the prayer of faith for her, and before the evening was over, her hand was already growing. We saw that. Hey, what can God do, Eldon? Hey, all we, I mean, it all depends on where we're willing to walk, right? If we're willing to walk and control ourselves and walk holy in obedience to His Word, did the king say, you can come and ask me for anything and I'll do it for you? If he said that, then I think we ought to strive to walk holy. So when we ask Him for these supernatural things, He'll do it. Because let me tell you, without Him, what can you and I do? I can't even take a breath. I can't even breathe. Can't take a breath, yeah. i got just a couple of little things, and we're going to take communion. The day has gone by in a hurry. It says, but today is communion day. It's the first Sunday of the month. He says, in verse 16, he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you, when I started asking the Lord, I, I let a few days slip in my life, but as a rule, I asked the Lord to fill me every morning with the Holy Spirit and power. Lord, I want to be full of you. I want to die, and I want you to take control of my flesh today, and I want everything I do to bring glory and honor to your name. I want to be full of the Spirit of the living God. Just think. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. If you had a thimble full of that stuff, or a cup full, 
or one of them giant 32-ounce glass sizes full of that, what could you do? Wow. That's what I want to have. I want to have that kind of faith. Our words. Speaking to yourselves. Here's the way we're supposed to speak to ourselves. We're nearly through with the first part of this. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual song. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's the way we should be. Do you reckon God wants us to be happy and joyful? Absolutely. We're supposed to be the most joyful, happy people on the face of the earth. We're supposed to have more fun as we go through life. There ain't nobody in the world supposed to have more fun than Christians. Because we got God as our provider. You know, He can do everything. He says, giving thanks every once in a while. How often? Always. That's right. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So we're supposed to submit to one another. We're supposed to do it in the fear of God. We're supposed to give thanks in how many things? All things. In fact, you know, I was, as I was been studying these things, I had something happen to me uh, out there to shop the other day. And man, I was out there by myself and for a minute I was fussing. And I said, oh, doggone the luck. I mean, this thing broke and I'm doing this and everything else. And then I, I said, oh, and praise God. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I, I thought of myself. The Holy Spirit says, that's not what I told you to do. When something breaks like that, or you mash your hand, I didn't tell you to grumble. No, I told you to praise me. And so right in the middle of my eyes, I said, stop and stood up my hand said, Lord, I praise you and thank you and worship you for all things. And isn't it amazing how quick the pain goes away when you start praising and worshiping the king? I, I, I never forget that story that Eldon told about his foot. The day that the guy dropped that thing on his foot, that compressor. Mashed his toe. I know how big compressors are, especially when one's big enough two men have to carry it. And it fell on his toe. But he didn't go there. He was praising God. The guy kept saying, well, what are you going to say? Doesn't it hurt? He said, no, it doesn't hurt. It's okay. It's got to hurt. You know it hurts. And he said, finally, the guy drove him over the brink. Okay. And the minute he lost it, immediately, guess what happened? Man, that pain come up and that foot swelled up and that toe, and he had to drill a hole in it and let the blood out of it. But see, if he had stayed in that first place, like God told him. But let me tell you. There's a perfect example. The enemy is always there to get you over the brink, isn't he, Ellen? But we're going to have to learn not to go there with the enemy. We're going to have to learn to do it God's way. And when you do, you give thanks in all things. And I'm going to tell you, just like Elder knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, if he had continued to stay there and praise God, that toe would have never turned black. There would have been no pain. There was no pain and no blood rushing that toe until he lost it. As long as he was worshiping and praising God, although he had dropped that. Wow. What you can do when you do it God's way. So, we take this one little set of verses today. And I guarantee you, every one of us 
I don't know, I need to read it several times this week. How about you, Keith? You just like me? But when, when we do what he says, he blesses our socks off, doesn't he? And we've learned that. And he answers our prayer. So this week I challenge you to read that Matthew 12 and that Ephesians 5 several times this week. In other words, every day this week, yes, they're preparing for the communion. We're going to take communion here shortly. Every day this week, if you'll just take Matthew chapter 12, read the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 12. And then turn over to Ephesians chapter 5 and read the whole chapter 5. And don't read it fast. Read it slow and let God talk to you. And you can't tell what else may be in Matthew 12 and 5 that you will get that you, we have, although we've covered all the 5, but not all the 12, or Matthew 12. But it'll be amazing what you, you might give us that, you know, I don't remember Thurman talking about that. In other words, the enemy had totally blinded your mind to a certain part. But if you'll read his word every day, he'll touch your heart with something because he wants you to walk in this supernatural anointing. Now, they're going to be passing out the communion here. As they pass out the bread and the, the juice, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think, Lord... Have I done any of these things? Have I talked evil about somebody this week? Have I told a joke? Have I foolish talked about someone? I hope for sure you didn't commit fornication or uncleanliness or covetousness. I hope you didn't go that far. But it's real easy to talk evil about somebody or say something bad about And you know, sometimes we say something bad about ourselves. Let me ask you this question. Any of you ever made this statement? Oh, everything goes wrong for me. If I had any luck, it would all be bad. You ever heard anybody talk like that? (laughs) Confession time. Even mother, she's even shaking her finger. I've done this, she says. Well, we know where God groups that, doesn't he? Groups that right in there with sin. And he tells us not one time to let that be known among us. So what can we do when we know we've done that? We ask him to forgive us. Aren't we glad for the blood of the Lamb? The blood of the Lamb. When we ask him to forgive us for that, he will be righteous and forgive us and restore us to fellowship. But now he says, now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. In other words, after he's patient, and I'm grateful, but he tells us after we have the knowledge of the truth, if we continue in sin, he said there's no more sacrifice for that sin, but only the wrath of God to come upon you. I don't want to be judged by God. That's why he tells me, judge myself. I come to the communion table before we take the bread. I said, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for everything I've ever done, known and unknown, Father. I'm trying my best to walk holy in obedience to your word. And Lord, I'm trying to watch every word. I'm trying to do everything right. And you know alone, you know my heart. But Lord, if there's something in my heart that's darkness, I want it out. I want it clean and pure. I want to get to the point, Lord, where I can walk totally holy in your presence. 24-7, so I can get my prayers answered every time.
Father, thank you for the bread. That's a symbol of your body that was bruised and beaten and striped and pierced for us. And if we will repent of every sin and then we'll come to you by faith in your word, we can walk in health, divine health, no sickness and no disease. You promised that even under the law that if we'd be obedient, you'd take all sickness and disease away from us. And also in the law, in Psalms 91, you promised that if we would make you the Most High God our dwelling place, and again we would say the right things, that you are our Lord and our God, that you would take protect us from the snare of the fowler, the devil. We wouldn't have to be concerned about him. So, Lord, I repent and ask you to forgive me. And, Lord, I thank you for this bread. I thank you that by these stripes we were healed once we confessed our sins. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can eat the bread now. Savior did on that cross. If we know it, we're redeemed from sin, so we don't have to sin no more. We're redeemed from the curse, so we don't have to have our lives open to the devil. Once you get a hold of that, you can kick that devil out, and you can walk in divine health. What a privilege, Lord, to think that I hold in my hand your blood, a symbol of your blood. That cleansed me, but not only me, all the world. The whole world owns Jesus and this blood. Lord, help us to get that message across to people so people will come into your kingdom and be saved, healed, and delivered. And we will get to see you do great and awesome miracles. Thank you, Father, for this blood. As we drink it, we drink it in faith. In Jesus' name.